Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 63. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide, and in 1999, I founded the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident outdoors by using traditional skills, a few simple tools, and field-based experience. Whether you're looking to go from city slicker to competent outdoor professional, want to experience a remote expedition, or just want to learn a few new outdoor skills, we've got you covered. You can check out the show notes to this and all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 63. It's another cold, windy morning here in northern Maine. No. It is... Wednesday, May 22nd, the Masardis Glacier is still going strong up at the yes, top of the hill, and it'll be June before that thing is gone you know, this last year. night I actually saw a couple of stellar sea lions on that glacier. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll share that story maybe later we, in the podcast. <laughs> so, I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm here with Christopher Russell and the Guide Jack, joined by all of the participants on the spring 2019 Wilderness Bushcraft semester. Some of whom have elected to remain silent and just watch the pageantry of the podcast. And others who you will be hearing from. You'll be hearing from Jeremy Marcotte. How you doing, Jeremy? I am fantastic this morning, even though it's cold and kind of meh. Jeremy I'm, I'm is an, an old Jack Mountain, old hand, canoe expedition last summer, snowshoe expedition last winter. Oh, yeah. He's trying to get maximize his time here in the county. Damn right. What's wrong with you? Uh, I love the woods. I would rather be up here than sitting in the city, pulling my hair out, you know, that constant commute to work. I'd rather my commute be a canoe or walking with a pack on my back. You got to harness a moose. I'm working That's on the that answer. one. There's a moose! Exactly. And we're going to catch one. Exactly. And we're going to ride it. And it's going to be glorious. That's what we I all do my Did you guys know that? And I swing it. Wildly. But before before we do that, we'll get as much intelligence from them as we can. Yes. Because you know, they know some stuff. They're coming down from Canada. <laughs> Illegal <laughs> border crossing. <laughs> and directly to my uh, right, to my right, uh, Anthony, how are we doing today? I'm well, thank you. Good. Uh, and then Christopher is here with us, and then what there's... Only in body, not in spirit. We're in the underground communications layer of the guide shack, and we've got the 653... Participants on the spring semester in the auditorium. Um, what? No. What, what world are you? What color is the sky in your world, Tim? Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we just want to have a quick conversation this morning about sort of the checking in with these guys, the the realities of living outdoors, how it measures up or or compares sort of with the fantasy that a lot of people have and just to kind of get their perspective on things so yeah so middle of week four um you know four weeks of living outdoors four weeks of cooking on fires and and living in shelters and you know i'm just curious just in general if there's a a sort of 
feeling you get of what you thought living outdoors in northern Maine this time of year would be like, and then, you know, how the reality of, of being up here and actually doing it, if, if the two sort of meet in the middle, or if the maybe the fantasy is, is, is drastically different than the reality. You want to field this one first? Sure. Yeah, I, you know, I had this idea that I was going to come up here, we'd make coffee over the fire, we'd cook our dinner. It was going to be cold, but not cold and miserable. And wet and rainy. Um, and I didn't realize how much work it is just to cut your wood every day to make your fire and to try and make your fire after all your wood that you cut has soaked up moisture overnight. And, um, you know, in order to have that cup of coffee in the morning, it's like almost an hour process by the time we yep. get the fire started and we get the coffee boiled. So uh, a lot more work than I thought it would be, but it's a lot, a lot of fun. For me, uh, so far, living in the shelter has been so much better than sleeping on the ground in it's the like tent. It's Taj Mahal. Oh, it is. It's so much better. I have more space. Uh, my bed is so much more comfortable than the ground. I'm sleeping a lot warmer. You know, I got this snot in my head right now from allergy season, but, you know, potato, patata. What did you just oh, say? That's right. I said it. Oh, my Potato, patata. Bring out the guns! <laughs> Anyways, uh, Get him, boys. just inside joke here. Aroostook County, where we are, is the number one potato producing county in the United States of America. And I tell everybody who comes on the course here that you can say tomato or tomato, but there's only potato here. There's no potato. Right? Hey, so you we take need it back. Jack Mountain okay, Bushcraft, Mr. Back. Potato Head. You <laughs> look are. like Tim. Yes. With a big orange hat. That'd yep. Be funny. Over uh, mascot. Clear his teeth. <laughs> Can you enunciate that better, please? <laughs> it, it's been fantastic, though. I mean, I, I love being up here, this being the third time that I've come up and enjoyed being here at the at Tim's place. It's been freaking awesome. Uh, the only thing that I've seen that I would say is more, not so much the romanticization of it, but it's just the reality check. Oh, Sorry. The reality check behind it all is uh, you do get a little loopy after a while. Yeah. I mean, we went out last night for Taco Tuesday, and uh, it was just, it was a mess. It was just laughing over the they're most. They're not going to let us back in there. No, there's no, no, no way. No, there's no way. <laughs> I mean, just the jokes and just everything was not something you would find anywhere else. And this is where I'd rather be is laughing about stuff that makes people uncomfortable because it's funnier. Well, what I, so what I do find on all of these courses is that as you guys are here together for a while, you, we sort of, and every semester it's a little different, but you guys build your own little sort of insular culture because you guys are, I mean, that's what you guys are doing. You're living together as a group and building this little thing. Um, and then as soon as that like culture is transplanted into like, I don't know, a Mexican restaurant, maybe. <laughs> it doesn't go over. Like, I mean, it, nothing bad happened, but no. it was just... It was hard very, not to tell it, any off-color jokes very last apparent, night. Yeah, it was very apparent that we'd been living in the woods for a month. Yes. Yep. But it is your class... I mean, this is your classic, like, team-building, rite-of-passage, yeah. anthropological model, right? Yeah. Where you get separated from the main group of society, put into a challenging situation where... Like, for example, you guys cooking over the fire, you're working together to achieve certain goals... Right, that would be much more difficult to do yourselves, and then we reintroduce you back into the world. So you've created this kind of really strong little <coughs> microculture, you know, based around your experience on the course. Yeah, and yeah, 
But you, people, we do get a little loopy up here. I think longtime listeners of this podcast could probably tell, like, they wonder, like, what sort of reality do these people live in where, you know, they're just joking about all these things that are, you know, maybe not funny at all to anybody else. But, uh, but yeah, you know, life in the woods, living, living uh, remote, living a little rough. The humor is at a premium. Yeah, you know, like, take the fun where you can get it. It sure. helps with the soft skills, though, because a lot of people don't know how to find their way into those soft skill moments, and then somebody cracks a joke, and it's like, oh, okay, I can relax now and just yeah say what's on my mind without any judgment, because I think that's what a lot of people are not getting in the real world is they're constantly being judged for the things that they say. And it's like, look, I don't mean that the way that you think I do out here. You don't have anything else to dictate, you know, that kind of stuff. So you have a chance to really express what's going on in your head and you get to have fun with it. And it's scary. So well, that statement you just made, Jeremy, <laughs> sometimes I'm highly offended by the statement you just made, actually. Well, good. I've said... <laughs> you can be more inappropriate than the next guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've said on record publicly in the past, uh, I think it was public, that I don't think that people should judge one another unless you work as a judge. Because then if you didn't judge people, you'd lose your job. And you'd be homeless under the bridge, living in like a refrigerator. Wait, box. wait, wait. So you're saying if a judge, if you stop judging people, you end up as a homeless person? So no, if you, no, 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 let me think. If, if you're, you're a, a judge, judge, I get that, I get that. But what the, what I'm reading from that is that if you if you are a judge and you stop judging, you end up as a homeless person living under a bridge. So the metaphor that we've just created is that if you stop judging people, you basically end up as a Jack Mountain student. Uh, no, <laughs> as soon as it. you get over your judgment, Yay! you become I'm a homeless, homeless person living in Mermaid Woods. Oh yes. First of my all, it's not home the bomb. Free. I'm sorry, yeah. home it's free. It's not homeless, it's, it's home free. I made a faux pas. I'm a free range Jack Bush Mountain <laughs> person. But yeah, if free you're ranging. a judge, I mean, that's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a little point, yeah. and I'm feeling a little nitpicky, but if you're a judge and you stop judging people, you're going to lose your job. Right. Right? That's what you get paid to do. So, But if you're not a judge, maybe you shouldn't judge people. Or, you know, anything. You know, it's a little bit of contest. a judgment call on your part, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Food contest, but yeah, we get yeah. those weird. Uh, it's an interesting culture that develops here, as Christopher said. Each yeah. course is a little bit different, but all like, uh, from my perspective, like hilariously fun. And that doesn't mean you know, for those of you listening, uh, it doesn't mean that everything here is easy. There are definitely tense or tight moments, but humor is kind of the the lubrication that we use to to work through some of those challenging <laughs> moments. <laughs> Chris has given us the hand signals. Don't Do not say anything inappropriate. <laughs> Don't touch that one. I was just going to say communication is lubrication. That's what I've heard. That's a that's pretty good. I like yeah, that. Yep. Yep. That just makes things that slide. One. That came so from sex with Emily. Her podcast, not with Emily. I kept it PG thirteen ish. I guess we're going to have to click the uh, explicit. You're going to have to get over. I don't know any Emilys. No, that's her podcast. Cool. So yeah, you mentioned. Anthony, that, and it's something that we talk a lot about here, is that really the only engine that you have to get anything done here is your body, right? Like the mm-hmm. at home, you know, living in the modern world, if I want to cut up a piece of wood, there's a power tool for that. You know, if I want to do basically anything, there's a power tool for that. Or there's something with a little motor in it to, to get it done. Here, you've got your axe, your knife, and... You know, that's just about it. The so, only thing I miss out of my modern conveniences are warm showers, and I'm very grateful for Mr. Maytag. 
is the... I did not like doing my wash in a bucket Wait, and hanging that it. That word up. you used. Wash. 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 Yes. Wash. Because I did not want to smell understand. like the south end of a northbound horse anymore. I don't. I don't understand what we're talking about at all. I don't know. Either. Doing laundry in a bucket <laughs> with the plunger. Laundry. Tell me more about this laundry. Yeah. Tell me. Well, maybe we have things to learn. Was I had to do my laundry. In a round bucket, and that kind of made me nervous. Yeah, well, for well, good that, reason. That will. <laughs> for good reason. That's why I don't do it. <coughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, and that's part of, I think, a lot... Uh, that's part of what's romanticized dramatically by the sort of modern world. You know, if you're working in an office on the 50th floor of a high-rise in Hong Kong or somewhere, it'd be easy to romanticize kind of the woods life, the self-reliant... You know, the more freedom involved, but then when you come out and do it, you realize that, uh, yes, there is that inherent freedom involved, but there's also like, I don't have all day to sit around because just to do the things that take me 10 minutes in a modern home take, can eat up most of the day, mm-hmm. like to get firewood, to be able to cook your food and maybe to warm up water, to take a bath or to do your laundry. Like if you, if you cook three meals a day on an open fire, did a load of laundry um, you know, cleaned up a little bit, cleaned your house or, or whatever, you know, those things maybe take you a half hour at home, but here that's a full day. Like, yep. cause there's no labor saving devices. And I think there's a lot of great, um, there's just a lot of great outcomes with that, but it's also can be very challenging and definitely very challenging physically. You know, I, I think, would I be correct in assuming that you know, while you guys aren't like completely beat up physically, at the end of the day, just a regular day around here, you're you're kind of tired. You know, you're ready yep. to sleep. I'd rather be About tired at the end of the day here <laughs> than be tired after a eight hour day at work. Because here, I'm working to live. I'm not living to work. You know, I'm putting in the effort. I I can look at something at the end of the day and say I did that versus. Oh, okay, I get home. Well, how was your day at work, honey? Well, I wanted to punch my boss in the throat, but, you know, you can't do that. You know, I, I didn't accomplish much, but out here I chopped like a cord of wood and I cooked over a fire and I pulled up river. It was great. You know, I took a swim in the river because I jammed my pole the wrong way and flipped the canoe. It was awesome. No, no, no. You jumped in the water sacrificing yourself looking for trout. I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> use my, use <laughs> my example as a way of not doing something. Let you my pain come up with one be your in knowledge. your teeth out of an Yes. <laughs> I was like so, a bear. I think if anybody if, would come out of the water with a fish in their teeth, it would be Jeremy. I probably. I, I would I've been eating eggs with the shell on them. Yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> we've got a gag there. Like, I get a dead say. fish in your pocket for when you come out of the canoe, jump go. in the water, and come up with it. We gotta get that on video. Okay, I'll do it. Done. I'll do it. If we've given it away, does the gag still work? Yeah. Okay. It's a visual gag. Uh, What were you gonna say? I I would just say that the the difference that I feel at the end of the day is when I go to bed at night, I'm physically tired from having worked all day. When I'm at home and I come home from work and I'm ready for bed, it's because I have been mentally and physically and emotionally like just beat down by the grind of the day. Yeah. You know, so I go to bed and I'm I'm tired because my brain needs a rest. Here, my body needs a rest, and it's a much different level of of tiredness. Um, and it feels better. Um, it feels better than going to bed at night after work because you're exhausted because you just literally got beat down by every person and everything that you interacted with that day. You know, because they had problems or there was this and you had to fix that and you had to do this. Here, it's just 
physical work. Um, and you know, it requires some know-how to do it. Um, but, and some skill, but it's just a physical tiredness. Out of curiosity, do you find that, um, with the mental tiredness, do you fall asleep quicker with the physical tiredness or with the mental one? Do you kind of like lay awake and think about the day? Yeah. With the mental one, you know, I can toss and turn. Yeah. Yeah. And with this physical tiredness, yeah, I barely remember putting my head down exactly. on the pillow. It's a good feeling. I mean, right? literally my head goes down and I'm out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We should, uh, side business, do this for people who have trouble sleeping. Come up here, just yep. work them like rented mules all day. There you go. Make them sleep on the gravel. I've, and got like, I've never had a better night's sleep. <laughs> and you get in pretty good shape too. And that's something a lot of people are missing in your everyday world is... Oh, I'm going to go to the gym and throw weights. Well, here's a better idea. Come up here for a few hours, swing an axe and, you know, split your wood and all that stuff. You're throwing a three and a half pound axe for an hour. That's a damn good workout. Your abs, your arms, your back, your legs, you know, you're out pulling upstream, downstream, whatever the case is. You're getting a fantastic full body workout. It is amazing. And a lot of people miss that. Plus you're eating better too. Well, unless it's a hard-boiled egg with a shell on. Right. The shell yeah. gives you calcium. So we've reached about the halfway point in the course. We're out the halfway point. And oh, usually at about the halfway point, um, you start to see signs that people have been removed from <laughs> the necessities and sort of niceties of the modern world. And the other day, Tim was out of town, and I walked up the hill for lunch and walked up on our good friend Jeremy here eating a hard-boiled egg, shell and all. And it was, it was the grossest sound I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> The crunch of an eggshell and the squish of a hard-boiled egg is yep. pretty awful. He looked like a monitor lizard. <laughs> but it was good. The extra crunch. I like corn nuts, so that kind of coincides. You know? Have you thought corn about nuts. hard-boiling a bunch of eggs and dyeing them to the same color as corn nuts? And then they could be go. like your giant corn nuts. Giant corn nuts. Ooh. Well, that's going to happen today. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> well, now. I'll, I'll use the dandelions for the yellow fla- for the yellow coloring and everything else. Lovely. Yes. See, there's, that's, there's that's freaking bushcraft, man. <laughs> Got to be innovative up here. Sometimes you don't have all the things you want, like food dyes and stuff. So, use the lance. I've never up here once in my life wanted food dyes. But now I do. Damn it. I think if there's one thing that's missing from like a rustic woods lifestyle, it's, you know, excessive food chemicals. Yeah. Yes. So, good for you guys. I just ordered a truckload of them. They're going to be here like tomorrow night. So we can just start, you know, experimenting with everything. Hey, can we, we can put them in the groundwater water too, hey. so we can drink like that? three fifty-five gallon metal drums of powdered MSG. It's going in everything. Oh. We're gonna be bloated for the rest of the month, and it'll be yeah. glorious. It'll be wonderful. So you have so, to empty those buckets. Yeah. So we're talking about, um, you know, we're talking about physical work here, and I'd be curious to see. I know Jeremy, had, you had carpentry experience before you came up, but I'm curious to see. And hear about um, your guys' experience with the hand tools, with using, because that's that's something that I think is pretty unique to what we do up here. Is that you're making a lot of the stuff that you're using, oh. and I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to hear a little about that. And uh, I always like to frame these reflective uh, discussions: two things you like about them, one thing you hate about them. So two things, two things like you them. like, one thing you don't like. Hmm. And that could be like, I like the draw knife, and I hate the spoke shave, yeah. but I love the rasp. Because he loves the coffee, <laughs> but he hates, hates the, the tea. tea. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's. Chris see. is still confused over that. <laughs> it's I, okay. I, at this point in the course, I'm just <laughs> perpetually at a state of being confused. Well, I'm okay with that. With carpentry, I mean, I was doing framing, and 
we had the compressors and the pneumatics and everything else, so everything was a lot faster. With this, it's more intimate and detail-oriented. Even though some of these projects, they're small and you can knock them out in 15 minutes or less, you know, I like taking my time and actually working the wood. So with the spoke shave, with the draw knife, once I got all of that stuff organized and situated to where it was a sharp blade and everything else, I love working with those tools. I, I feel more as a craftsman than anything else when I'm, like, shaving those nice curlies off of a piece of wood or uh, working with... <laughs> Well, it was. It was with the paddle. I, I finally got that yes, spoke that, shape yes. just right. And it's like you get that nice little curly cue and you like... Of wood, yes. Oh. yes it was very nice. And then you take it and you throw it in the fire and it just... It's like pixie dust. It's awesome. But so with the tools, the one thing I didn't like with the spoke shave was the adjustments because that was that, was that spot where it was like, I want to throw this thing across the pond. And you can't do that because if you do, then you have to make one out of your knife and a stick. And that was fun. But I'd rather not. I mean, I spent some money on this tool. I want to learn how to use it the right way. And once I finally got it, it was worth it. So the hand tools, you got to enjoy the craft side of it. Because if you don't, you're just wasting your time and your money. So uh, my personal motto is fixing things beyond repair since 1969. I have zero skill in making things or fixing <laughs> things if it's not my chosen profession. And uh, so any of these crafts are um, are uh, really tough for me. Um, the only craft I ever did before this was I made a uh, I made a golden angel out of a tampon and a maxi pad for Christmas and gave it to somebody. <laughs> it, it was awesome. Um, so that was as crafty as I got. <laughs> and, uh, anyhow, <laughs> so, um, that was the golden, the golden tampon award of the year. So, uh, anyway, um, I really liked working with the wood crap, with, with the wood tools, um, because it, it gave me a sense of accomplishment as I worked with them. I like to work with my hands, um, kind of from what I do in my, my full-time job. And so learning how to do some woodworking, but learning how to do it without power tools and do it with, with hand tools, to me, um, just kind of connected me to that project a little bit more. And the thing that I didn't like about it was I have a really hard time looking at a block of wood and imagining what it's going to look like when I'm done with it. So I have a really hard time taking it from, I guess, from concept to product. Um, but that was also the most gratifying thing was at the end looking at the thing and just thanking God that it didn't look like the moose mallet or some of the other ones that you showed Every us. podcast, that <laughs> stupid thing comes up. Um, thanks, but, Karen. Yeah. Thanks, Karen. <laughs> sorry, buddy. <laughs> He's never um, even yeah, met you. Sorry, knows. man. I just, it very easily could have been me. And uh, <laughs> so... So, yeah, but, I mean, then, then looking at it when it was all finished and having the satisfaction of saying, gee, you know, I did this with basically two tools, you know, well, three tools, my axe, my, my uh, spoke shave, and my draw knife. Um, I guess the other thing I didn't like about it is certainly trying to adjust that little spoke shave. I hate to sharpen the tools. I'm just always afraid I'm going to screw up the, you know, the edges on them. They're going to work worse, that sort of thing. Um but yeah, uh, a lot of satisfaction <laughs> at being able to look at that and say, "Hey, I made a paddle out of basically a a board." Yep. So, yeah, and I think that's uh, those are great, 
uh, great insights into the process there. So yeah, thanks for those. I guess lastly, one last thing I'd like to just hear you guys take on is um, academic work here. You know, I think people often think about living outdoors, bushcraft, and they think it's just swinging an axe, right? It's just, it's just all hands-on. But you know, we have a pretty significant academic component here about learning mm-hmm. natural history, doing background studies and things. And and how has that been going for you? I mean, I spent more years in college than I wanted to, and I feel like I'm back in college <laughs> as I'm going through some of it. Um, you know, the difference is, is this time I'm actually kind of interested in what I'm doing. Um, so, but I didn't expect that. I didn't expect the academic side of things that you guys have. I just kind of expected, like I said, to come here, oh, I'm going to live outdoors. I'm going to learn how to make fire. And, you know, every time I go to light that fire, it's going to be lit and my coffee is going to be boiled and my food's going to be cooked and I'm doing great. And did not expect the other layer of, information on top of that and now i'm starting to realize you keep saying we're teaching you a process so that wherever you go you can implement this and you know at first it it just kind of sounded like words um until i really started thinking about it i'm like you know when i go back home to pennsylvania a different ecosystem but now if i can get the right books and the right information i can sit down and i can replicate these things and then, and it's going to be a little harder because I'm not going to have somebody there to point out and say, that's an aspen tree. I'm going to need to figure out that this is a red oak or this is a white oak or this is this kind of tree. And then I can go and do research on it and better understand how to use that in my own environment. Same thing with the animals and plants and, and that sort of thing. So um, definitely a much better process than what I was using. And uh, yeah, some some things I'd like to bring home to some other courses that I'm involved with now, like <coughs> pressing plants, like I'm doing a, a wild foraging course, it'd be great to press plants. Because for a guy like me, you know, we go and people look at these plants and they're like, oh, I know what this is and I know what that is. And I'd like to have it pressed and be able to go home and look at it and say, okay, now I know about this plant. And when I see it again, I'm going to know it's this plant. Well, yeah, that's so, the beauty of the plant stuff is that yeah. you guys are building your own personal field guide that's not just information that somebody else collected it's your actual experience with yeah and i'm a real slow learner yeah so stuff like that's great for me because i'm i'm just slow catching on sometimes you know that so well that's not what i meant no but i i think i'm the same i understand what you mean because if it's not if i don't look at something like three different ways i don't Mm -hmm. really understand it and having having that process where i'm looking at it in the field and then i'm researching it and then i'm writing it down and recording it that's where that information really sits home for me right. so i totally know what you mean yeah i learned by a combination of lecture and then doing kind yeah, of thing that's exactly. always been that's the way i've learned best is i sit down i get the academic and then i go and i do yeah so. and i'm kind of in the same boat as i'd rather be out there hands-on learning and then do some of the academics after the fact or even before the fact, and then going out and doing it, because it's going to sit a lot better in my head. Well, it's like fertile ground at that right. point, right? Mm-hmm. It's, not just, it's not just words on a board and somebody going, oh, and here's this, and here's that. We can do that yeah. if you want. 
That's actually I got a that's really how I learned by really boring PowerPoints with someone talking with a monotone. Yeah. That's the only way I can learn. I did that for way too many years. I don't want to go back to it. <laughs> what we're actually doing with this podcast is Tim and I are going to go back and listen to it and make a PowerPoint about the podcast and present it to you guys tomorrow. Morning. There you go. That'd be fun. I will cut my like, eyes. Out like my one of, one of my biggest issues <laughs> that or, or big, biggest difficulties is you know we'll go out and we'll do a field walk and. Tim will be kind of rattling off about this plant or this tree. And I'm so busy trying to write it down because that academic side of me, rather than just sitting there and listening to the information you're telling us. So then I feel like, oh, would you say I just missed that, you know, because I'm so busy writing, trying to get it down. Um, you know, and that's just a learning style, I think, more than anything. But. Yeah. The academic side, though, with this whole course, it's... It's practical knowledge versus just book smarts. You know, we've seen people come through courses and they're wicked super smart with the books, but they have no street smarts or practical application of what they've just read. And this brings the two together. It's, okay, so here's the plant. Here's the books that we recommend that you research this plant. Or here's the animals that are up in this area, pick five of them and do some research, look for their tracks. I mean, we've seen moose. We've seen mink. Yep. Uh, you guys saw the mink? Yeah. Yes. Yep. yep. Ran right across. Red squirrels. Moose Vegas Road. Uh, there's the beaver dam and, you know. Stellar the, sea lions. Stellar sea lions. That orchid that breached in the pond the other day while we were working on our, uh, yep, we got our the, netting needles. Yep. yep. Tim saw it. And when you bring it all together, it just makes everything sit so much stronger in that knowledge bank of your brain. It's just, oh, okay, now I can go out and I know that's going to be a trout because this trout is this long and it's got this many spines on its dorsal fin and it likes cooler water versus hot water and this, that, and the other. It's like, now I can go catch fish all day long because I know where they like to be. It, I can't catch a fish to save my life. Now I might actually stand a chance. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we still need to figure that yeah. out. <laughs> so we know a lot about these animals. The Let's see if we can actually get one on the hook. What yeah. was the, uh, the old saying that if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day, but if you teach a man to fish, you've shown him how to drink more beer? I think really? that was right. I like that. Was definitely <laughs> Something right. like that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. That was definitely it. Yeah, so, I mean, to take the academics and put it to actual work versus what they normally teach you, in a college setting, whereas it's just mostly theory, it definitely resonates a lot more with me, at least. Yeah. Wasn't it Benjamin Franklin who said that beer was uh, was Next proof that God loves us or and, something and like wants that. us to be happy? He did yeah, say I believe that. so. Yes. He's a very interesting guy if you study Benjamin Franklin because he wrote his autobiography, right, with all right. of the things here. The before the internet, <laughs> here are the tenets that I live by, and it was like chastity, sobriety, and then during the Constitutional Convention. In Philadelphia, 1789, lecherous old drunk would be carried from one bar to another by some of the other attendees where he would prey on the young women there. So interesting, like, you know, do as I say, not as I do, right? Yeah. But I guess he wrote his autobiography as a young man and it, you know, it was probably <coughs> instrumental in him becoming a very influential person and then... And as an older guy, he's so he was a true politician. Is what you're yeah, saying. exactly. True politician. <laughs> we founding we fathers were exactly That's the right. way they are now. <laughs> we, yes. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, good stuff. Look, yeah. Looking like they're living a life of piety. Well, <laughs> in the background, when we can yeah. get the camera on you. Yeah. Classic. 
yeah, any other sort of observations about the course before we wrap this up? We're we're getting to the point we do in every podcast where we're starting to... Yeah, it, the group dynamic is awesome. Yeah. It is, yeah. We have a really good group. We all get along real well. Yeah, I don't... Yep. And I think that's one of the key factors, too, is once you figure out who's We all love us some Xander. Yeah. Even though he's not speaking. <laughs> you should lose Russian voice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He's giving me the no, <laughs> dynamics are huge. You yeah. know, people are getting along. It's a pleasure to be here. If everybody was arguing and fighting, it would be like, hey, what could we... Let's do like another like five days of solo time or something. Right. Yeah. But, well, it's yeah. an interesting. No, thing. we've had some really good meals too, boy. These guys are some good cooks. Yeah, I gotta tell you. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing with the group dynamic is that, um, you know, like you said, I've I've been on courses with a bad group dynamic, but for the most part, because of the work that we're doing here, the group dynamic is always relatively good because people are just. It doesn't matter. There's a lot of different backgrounds that end up here, but. Just because of what you're doing, everybody tends to get along pretty well because you have to. It's, it's just the, the reality. Stories too. I mean, everybody loves a good story. Yeah. Well, almost... I've got a story for you guys actually involving <laughs> Stellar Sea Lions, which I will tell <laughs> oh, yes, as yes. the wrap up to this podcast. Let us so move. stay tuned, guys. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, everybody's got a good story, and when we're sitting around the fire, you know, that romanticized part of being out in the woods, yeah. we're all sitting. There's around no romance going stories. on around that fire. No. It's more no. of a bromance. It's a brom- bromance. We might go with a bromance. <laughs> you know, we're we're knitting. We're very we're, testosterone. We're doing knitting. <laughs> it's semester we're, right now. We're That's spinning right. cord. You know, we're doing that kind of fun stuff. But we're telling stories and we're laughing and we're having a good time. Or we'll get serious. We're making about inappropriate jokes. Yeah. yeah. Well, what did we describe it as the other day? It was a a bearded, smelly knitting club. It was essentially what yeah. was yeah. become at the end of the day. We're all stinky, sitting around the fire, working on a little handcraft, and talking about the day. I just want to know, do even the women, when they come out here, to <laughs> grow beards also? Uh, if they try hard enough. If they try hard enough, okay. Um, it's an interesting point, though. Can't say what kind of beard. Though. In our modern world, where everybody is so polarized <laughs> and so angry all the time, that, that I think if you give people good, meaningful work to do yeah. during the day, mm-hmm. and... Uh, they tend to get along. And in the long run, to quote our good friend Ben Spencer, yeah. in the long run, the only survival skill that really matters is our ability to get along. It's funny that that guy says that and his nickname is Bonobo. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Ben. Why is that funny? <laughs> well, because Bonobos tend to get along as a social group. There you go. And yeah, our friend, well. Are they monkeys or apes? Uh, I don't care anymore. You don't care anymore? Okay. <laughs> I'm over it. But yeah, so it's that interesting thing about... You know, everywhere you go, if you turn on the radio, everybody's buttonheads arguing, fighting. Everybody can't see the world from anybody else's perspective. And yet here we get people from, you know, a really wide variety of backgrounds and you just tend to get along. Right. And and I don't know. I wish that could. I wish there was more of that in the world these days and and less people bickering and arguing. That's where this kind of course comes into play. This gives people that chance to really reconnect with people because they're not constantly on their phones, not constantly connected to the social media aspect of life. You are out in the woods with a group of strangers and you have to make it work. Yeah, you're pulled out of that echo chamber that most of us exist in with yeah. social media. And that's know? why that's another reason why I love being out here more so than being back in the city aspect is because yeah. out here I am forced to communicate where I am not a really big people person in the city aspect, but out here I love you guys. But it's when you're so dumping another easier. guy's bucket, man, 
Well, you get to know. Yes, you, <laughs> you do. You, you <laughs> get to appreciate those Who guys a whole lot. Up? Damn, those things are like spiraling the bowl. It's, it's just not right. Yeah, we're uh, definitely we click the old yeah. explicit button. Yeah, yeah we just definitely, digress there. Definitely <laughs> passed the line about 20 minutes ago. I was okay with the right, dumping so, another guy's yeah. bucket. So we brought it up. Let's say, let's talk about that then, and then we'll, then we'll wrap it yeah. up. But experiences now four weeks in. We have a humanure composting system here where we take everybody's poop and pee and throw it on the compost pile and layer it with hay. And a lot of people think that's kind of gross. I've been doing it for 25 years. I don't think it's gross or it's no gross. Explain we are not pooping in the compost pile. No, we have regular outhouses with toilet boxes, and you know, if you if if nobody told you, you might not notice any difference from like a regular outhouse or toilet. There's no smell. I mean, this is my third time up here. I haven't had any problems with any smells coming out of these bathrooms at all. You know, just make sure you put your wood shavings down when you're done. If it gets full, empty the bucket, clean it, put a clean bucket in, make sure there's wood shavings, and call it good. Yeah. I think it works great. I mean, I've been... My my, my job takes me in some really, really gross houses with some really <laughs> gross bathrooms. I would much rather poop it around bucket, um, whether it's green and says for water no. use only. No. <laughs> no. No. So last fall, we ran out of square buckets. Um, which is our which clean are water. Only for water. They're only for clean water. So we were starting to we lost our line on square buckets is essentially what happened. So we decided to use a color coded system. And just because I have very little faith in humanity, I even wrote on the color coded clean ones. I wrote clean for clean water only. And a day later I watched somebody carry it into the outhouse and put it under the thing and it, and that was the point where I lost hope. Really, is what happened, and these guys haven't let me forget it. So we determined that color coding not no, a successful not a way successful to correct. So, but but yeah, we have well, one. are very very successful. You you have no no smell at yeah. all, um, unless you walk in right after the guy just left the deposit. But um, smells much much cleaner than a normal outhouse. They're 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 way cleaner than a normal outhouse. Yeah, would be uh, much more pleasant too. to use. Yeah, great. We do, we harp on cleanliness around here with the outhouses. We don't want it to be, if it's poorly managed, it gets gross. So we tend to manage everything really well here. And as a result, we have a super... And the tomatoes. Oh, the tomatoes that come out of those things. We have a fantastic system that works really well and completely scales. That if we had 50 people show up here to spend a week, it would totally work. And I couldn't say that for like a... You know, a, a plumbed septic system. Yeah, and it's right. it's honestly one of the easiest things in the world too, because it's usually an every other day thing. You empty out the bucket and you put a clean bucket in. It it doesn't get gross because nobody's gonna want to sit down on a full bucket and you go no no. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to sit on a full bucket. We have a lot of uh, you know mature older students here, and I you'd like to explain it the first day that it's sort of like changing a kid's diaper. You when you uh, clean the buckets, uh, you know what you're in for. Yeah. After your kid's a couple of months old, you can do it in about 10 seconds. Man. When it's really cold, we warm our hands over by the compost pile. and yeah. All the steam coming <laughs> off. Oh, yeah. We can. There is a book out there, and a lot of guys do this, where they'll run copper uh, plumbing yep. pipe through, and that's their water heater. Yeah. yeah. And so, those beefsteak tomatoes, boy, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I mean, the Cucumbers beefiest. For the the beefiest beefsteaks. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, on that note, Stellar Sea Lions. Um, this is just sort of a wrap up for this. Is this is as I mentioned earlier, we're at the halfway point and things are starting to get a little loopy. So last night on the drive the home from um, from our mainly Mexican, yeah, from our Taco Tuesday evening, 
Tim and I are having a conversation about communicating about the work that we do um, with people that haven't experienced it. And how do you how do you really relig- or how do you explain to them um, the realities of what you're doing? Kind of what we're talking about today: the romance and versus. It the, was a good con- It was good serious conversation for about five minutes, <laughs> and then Tim said. The, a word that, or a phrase that now I'll never trust again, which is less role play. And, he was, and so his, the next words out of his mouth are, you are a New Jersey single mother buying a coffee in Starbucks, and I'm a stellar sea lion. And, and I started to play along with it, and then Tim just started making the noises of a sea lion. And I used to work towing. I've almost hit moose and deer on the road. I've never been more afraid for my life in a car than I was last night because I was laughing so hard I thought we were going to drive off the road. It was It was... Yeah, so we're at the midway can, point. Can you it? make that? So essentially, noise for I, I, I was just baiting him. And I uh, was like, yeah, and I let it go just long enough to, uh, oh, I let it go. Did you catch that? You uh, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> I let it go just long enough where I was like, okay, yeah, well, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's pretend and when we'll role play. And so you'll be this single mother who doesn't really know much about bushcraft and I'll be a stellar sea lion. So, you know, tell me what your, which is a massively large sea lion that lives off the coast of Alaska. But anyway, so it's like, so, you know, start to tell me about, you know, your problems and, and how you view like outdoor so living. And from, from the other perspective, I'm having a real conversation with the man that's taught me most of what I know. And then all of a sudden... He's, this no, sound. Well, you just start like let's let's role play. Yeah, do we have to do this yes, again? Yeah, no, no, so use it all. <laughs> oh man, I really hope I really that, hope man. this barista doesn't mess up my coffee. <laughs> and then and then I almost killed the entire staff of Jack Mountain in one fell swoop. Yeah. Pretty funny. It was yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, good, good point to wrap up. Yeah, yeah I think so. Well, thank you very much. Uh, um, Anthony and Jeremy for right. for being yeah. out here. Thanks for sharing your insights. I want to thank the Stellar Sea Lion for number one guest and number two. I'd like to thank the Academy, uh, but most of all, it's the fans. Yeah. Uh, so if you found this podcast to be useful or interesting, please leave us a review, and we will hit you back with another one real soon. Take care and thanks for listening. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.